Hello everyone, welcome to episode 710 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. This season we're chatting with the performers of the Cold Wave 7 Festival coming this September to New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Head to coldwaves.net for the full lineup and ticket links, which include pre-shows, post-shows, and extremely limited VIP packages. This week we're chatting with Masa Zargaran. This is Omniflow.
growing up in Iran, music was not, um, well, Western music anyway, was not very accessible. So um, I took piano lessons since I was five. And um, so my interaction with music that was not made with my hands and music that was being played in our house at our music parties. Um, my exposure to music that was made by other people is actually quite limited. So um, Western music was not really, it was just through whatever bootleg tapes we could get our hands on. And uh, so classical music was really where my exposure began and ended. I went to symphonies and um just classical concerts and classical tapes and such. So, you know, I didn't know who the Beatles were <laughs> until I was 20 years old. And uh, yeah, so that was my, that was my exposure to music in my early life. And still to this day, you know, I, there are a lot of bands that are prominent that I haven't heard their music. I mean, I might've heard their names, but I won't be able to jump on some kind of, nostalgic conversation and talk about you know things that were exciting in my youth like the people who are my age you know I would say it's come it's taken a long time for me to really appreciate that for what it is like I always thought I missed out so much on life and I wish I grew up in a place where I had more exposure and I was able to interact with you know, what the people in the rest of the world are interacting with and are able to get their hands on. And I was, I just felt a little bit deprived. But I think the more and more I grow into myself and what I'm doing as an artist, the more I get to appreciate that fresh kind of perspective. I mean, I'm calling it fresh, but <laughs> some might call it ignorant. But I think it's rare. And it's something that it's it's not something that you're afforded necessarily. So I'm trying to be more in a mindset of where I just embrace it and draw from that youthful, innocent, pure kind of perspective that people who are, are only afforded when they're five years old. Let's talk about your upcoming album, Aquarelle. You made a Kickstarter for that. I was following that. It looked like it, it came down to the wire at the end there. Were, were you nervous about funding that? I mean, was I nervous? Hell yes, I was nervous. I couldn't believe when it, it funded. It was actually very interesting. I was, you know, I called my parents and I said, fuck, I don't think this is going to make it. Can you guys help me take this over the edge? And And I was really happy that I didn't have to make that call because, you know, it's kind of lame to say mom and dad can you help me here um and I wanted to you know I've done this for a while and I don't want to you know you have this image you know you want your parents to think my my daughter my child is is making it as an artist on their own and um to say to show to my parents you know I have I have a fan base that cares about and and what's really interesting is through this Kickstarter, I've realized I have way more fans than I realized. First of all, I don't really think I have. I'm a person who has fans, but you know, you can just kind of get stuck in your bubble a little bit when you're working in the studio, and you reach out to people in a from a place of just warmth and love, and um, getting that in return is 
is really crazy. It's insane. And, and I remember that my Kickstarter deadline, I mean, it was the campaign was supposed to end at like 2, 3 a.m. And I was traveling. I had a show the next day and I it was like 11 p.m. And I was just dead tired. And I thought th- the goal had already been met and there were like three, four hours left to go. And I was thinking, okay, I'll, I'll go to sleep now. But what if a handful of people change their minds and they cancel their pledges and then I'll wake up to a failed campaign? <laughs> I woke up to a, you know, a bunch of texts congratulating me and messages from friends saying, you made it, you made it. And um, so, yeah, my friends were the ones who notified me of the success of the campaign. It was pretty, pretty crazy. On your Lawless Flawless music video, it, it has some animated drawings and it sounded like that was very do-it-yourself thing where you were sort of teaching yourself that process. It looks like you're, you were also visually inclined. So tell me a bit about your drawings and, and coming up with that music video. I have a background in visual arts and I went to architecture school. And when it came down to me really choosing what I want to spend my days doing, my routines... What medium do I want to engage in? It was important to me to choose a medium of art where I get to not just solely focus on one way to express myself, bring in other art mediums. So ultimately, that's why I chose music, because it's it's a really beautiful platform where you can incorporate visual arts, photography, um, film and costume making and animation and painting and all of that, which I try to do, um, all of those things. And um, animation is the newest addition to the, you know, arsenal, so to speak. Um, So yeah, I make collages and um, daily drawings and sketches every day. And the last three, four months, I've been solely focusing on collages every day. And um, so I have a lot of visual material to work with, like analog material. And um, when it came down to making the music video for it, you know, I've been very used to the process of working alone. And I would love to collaborate with artists at some point. I'm not dead set on, you know, working by myself, but I'm so um, I can tap into a really great rhythm and um, and I know what I want. And visually, you know, when I'm creating the art, the music that I'm making, it's very much married with, um, you know, visual, you know, a, a visual atmosphere. And uh, so it kind of made sense to make the visuals for the show, for the music videos, um, everything myself. So little by little, I bought a little scanner and I've just been scanning my art as I go every day, these collages and art uh, drawings and such. Yeah, just learn how to animate and opened the program and literally just went layer by layer, Google how I, everything I need to do little by little, you know, it's like modern education on YouTube and uh, just figuring it out as I go. And my first video took three months to make, Flawless Flawless, which you just mentioned. And the next video took, I don't know, two weeks. And uh, I was traveling in New England last week for um, some video production work, a different kind of video work for my um, live show. And um, under the gun, I had to make a video in less than two hours while I was there in the spot. And I was 
able to do that. So, um, you know, you just kind of figure it out as you go and you get faster and hopefully you're lucky enough to have a deadline that you have to <laughs> meet, which I just experienced what crazy things you're capable of doing with, with just under the gun, you know? So yeah, that was really cool.
your blog to me is sort of a, a throwback to the way the internet used to be. I feel like in the late 90s, early 2000s, people were just, you know, posting their, their creative output, whether it was thoughts or drawings and stuff like that. And right now, social media is just, you know, political postings or, or pictures of, of families. And those are nice at all. But but I really just like, you know, to see what what's been inspiring you, you know, every few mm. days and seeing that up on the on the internet. I just, you know, I feel like the, the internet could more, use more of that and less of the other stuff. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. That's beautiful. Um, I guess my I'm trying to create like a blog, a website that I would be interested in reading. And, you know, I am a 90s kid and the things you're talking about, the the way the Internet used to be. I mean, if it was up to me, I would just have a flip phone. And if I didn't have a music career to promote, I would just have an old Razor flip phone and not worry about all all the things that you know, it's just ultimately, it's all distractions. I mean, you are getting a small percentage of positive input, but the rest of it is really just a lot of noise that I would like to avoid if I can. And uh, so my blog, I suppose it was just an effort. And I mean, I send emails and letters like my blog to my friends. And, um, and I just thought, well, why can't this be the way that I communicate with my, you know, with a larger group of people, with my fans, you know, like, why am I saving this beautiful, thoughtful way of communicating with people for a handful of people? So it just kind of started from there. And um, also, it's kind of nice to have people waiting on you to put out think pieces. It kind of forces me to... Um, put my phone down a little bit more and think deeper about the things I come in contact with on a daily basis and really think for myself as opposed to, you know, just be so in the box all the time. And, you know, again, it comes down to deadlines. It's like, if I have a deadline of a newsletter going out in two weeks, I need to <laughs> think about some things to put in there that are hopefully not disposable and not just additional noise that's just get, getting added to the pile and and you know I mean I I love people's pictures of their food and family I'm all about food pictures let's not kid ourselves <laughs> it's beautiful but this is the kind of thing that I'm I'm more interested in seeing more of on the internet and it's like you know if you're not seeing it I'm, I'm sure it exists I'm just not researching enough I just want to put something out that I wish existed for me. So you're also busy, you know, with lots of other projects. You've uh, scored films and you've performed in, in other bands. You, you've toured with Pussifer, with, with fellow Cold Waves alum, Paul Barker. Do you want to yeah. talk about any of those projects that you worked on also? Yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time uh, supporting other artists, other visionaries, and it's great. I mean, it's it's a mixed bag of positivity and things that ultimately just are very ever consuming, right? So, um, Pussifer, for example, um, I was, you know, I was contacted by them and was very happy to be a part of that project. Um, you know, it. I met Paul, and uh, that within itself has been fantastic. I was able to tour the world without having to worry about being the person who's the lead 
Uh, I only showed up for the fun part of the production. I didn't have to pour blood, sweat, and tears into that production. I got to just have text and show up for the fun part, which, you know, I don't have that luxury with my own music. I have to do all the behind the scenes, everything you see, the hard work and the rewarding bits I have to do myself. So um, it's nice to kind of take a back seat in a sense and be part of a bigger production and a fly on a wall on a production that's running really well. Ultimately, I am a bit more hesitant to be as much of a supporting role moving forward in my life because I do, I have noticed that my own creativity suffers because of it. Because, you know, you can be optimistic and take tour after tour. I've taken so much gear on the road with myself and thinking I'm going to be able to get so much work done. I brought recording equipment and everything. But at the end of the day, when you're in Denmark, are you going to go to a museum or are you going to sit in your hotel room and make something? So I, I've gotten jack shit done on tour. And yes, you know, it's like I've gotten a lot of my fans have been really loyal for a long time. Like, when is your album coming out? When is your album coming out? But when you're putting yourself in a position where you are putting your talents and your skills in support of other people's visions, your own vision suffers. So yes, I have been very lucky to be a part of, and I've chosen to be a part of big productions. Moving forward this past year has been absolute heaven, like working on my own music and art uh, exclusively, allowing myself the time to just let it breathe. Because it's not just you give yourself one week of time to um, work on a song or on an on a installation or whatever. It's weeks and weeks and weeks. You just have to let yourself be a human and be in your fucking garden and cook and do whatever it is you need to do to work yourself up energy-wise to come to a place where you're just always ready. You're operating with this state of mind where you're almost in an intoxicated sort of space where um, it's almost like you've done like a silent meditation retreat or something for 10 days and you come out and you're just um, just so stimulated. And that's the kind of life that I am um, planning to live uh, more of right now. Of course, tour life is ahead of me at the end of the summer. So um which, you know, it's there's going to be phases and waves where you're going to be able to have this luxury of silence and like a Zen routine that, you know, is like a really fertile ground for making work. But then you have to switch over to go, go, go. Okay, now all the stuff that I've created, let's present it to the world.
On this episode, you heard Lawless Flawless, Midnight X, and The Bishop. Aquarelle releases July 18th and can be ordered from OmniFluxMusic.com. OmniFlux is on tour this summer with Ogre and Let Into Cold. Full tour dates can also be found at OmniFluxMusic.com. Our opening music is Madmaker by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Peter Santiago from Winky. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and soundman Jamie Duffy. From the Crack Nation message boards, here's a post from Jamie sharing his favorite musician jokes. March 6th, 2002. I'm a little late, but here goes. How many lead singers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Only one to hold it and the world to revolve around him. Did you hear the one about the bass player that was so bad that people actually noticed him? What does a stripper do with her asshole before she goes to work? She drops him off at band practice. What's the difference between a banjo and an onion? Nobody cries when you chop a banjo into little pieces. What's the difference between government bonds and musicians? Government bonds eventually mature and earn money. What's the difference between a monitor engineer and a toilet seat? A toilet seat has to deal with only one asshole at a time. How many bass players does it take to change a light bulb? None. They just let the keyboard player do it with his left hand. Don't bother, just leave it out. No one will notice. One, but the guitarist has to show him first. What's the difference between a puppy and a singer-songwriter? Eventually, the puppy stops whining. How many deadheads does it take to change a light bulb? 12,001. One to change it, 2,000 to record the event and take pictures of it, and 10,000 to follow it around until it burns out. Son. Mother, I want to grow up and be a rock and roll musician. Mother. Now, son, you have to pick one or the other. You can't do both. What is the difference between a saxophone and a trampoline? You take your shoes off to jump on a trampoline. (laughs) Hee hee. Jamie.